Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Worth It podcast. Our leadership gurus, Ryan Dyer and Andy Dorsey, will talk about maximizing leadership potential, faith, and family, all while raising awareness and funds for children with hearing impairments. On today's episode, Ryan and Andy will talk about how to fight the good fight to make every day worth it. All right, welcome back to another episode of Worth It. Uh, my name's Andy Dorsey. We're here with uh, also my the host, Ryan Dyer. And uh, today we're, we're so excited to have Coach Soderberg with us uh, from UVA. Uh, and today's title that, you know, we're going to dig into is Uncommon Leadership. Um, and, you know, that's one thing that we've highly uh, just noticed over the years that, that at Virginia that they, they're just uncommon in the way that they do things. And, you know, they're not copycats. Uh, when, when they see a fork in the road, they just take it and, and they do things their way. So we're extremely excited to uh, have Coach on today and, and uh, look forward to digging into this a little deeper. And Coach, you know, I talked to you a little bit before the, before the show here. Uh, when my son had a major surgery at Virginia, you guys were just so welcoming and you got us tickets behind the bench. and coaching staff from from coach Bennett to Ronnie to you to all the way down to your players it's just a different culture at UVA and I, I can't wait to dive in and and the first thing I just want to kind of jump in with you coaches just tell us a little bit about yourself your your coaching career your family you've kind of took the uncommon way and and been hard at work so anything you want to share with us well I've I've been around the game literally since the day I was born. My dad was a high school coach uh, for 35 years, so I have memories uh, of watching his team's practice when I was still, you know, just before I was even in elementary school. So I've been around the game my whole life. I'm starting my 36th year as a college basketball coach uh, this season. I've I've uh, had the what I consider to be the great fortune of coaching at every level. Um, I've seen Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One, from the perspective of both a head coach and an assistant at all those levels. So um, I have a lot of former players and current players who are interested in getting into the college coaching business who come to me, and I feel like I can provide them with a resource um, of what it's like. I'm very proud to to say that my my oldest son just became the head coach at Millican University in Decatur, Illinois. Uh, so, um, he's gonna, he'll be at the division three level and, um, and I'm, I'm excited for him to start his career. So it goes full circle. I think the coaching profession is a incredibly noble profession. I, I think, uh, whenever I get a chance to talk to coaches, I just try to reinforce with them that they're, they are taking on a noble task because we are in front of very impressionable young men and women and the way we conduct ourselves can have a bearing for decades. Um, and so those times when I haven't been the coach that I wanted to be, I regret it. And for those times when players come back and say, thanks, coach, I appreciate what you instilled in me. That means so much. So um, for all whoever's in this audience, I don't even know who this will, who will see this. I, I just want to remind coaches, particularly young coaches, um, you have a huge responsibility when they call you coach. And uh, I hope you take it seriously. 
Yeah, Coach, 36 years, that's that's pretty impressive. That's been in a long time. So I think you obviously have a, a wealth of knowledge and to be able to, you know, hopefully that our listeners will, will just be a sponge and be able to just soak in, you know, everything that you share with us today. And that kind of leads me into my, to my next question for you is, you know, what would you say to an assistant coach or a head coach, you know, that's looking to climb the ladder and climb, you know, I think a lot of times I've been in the athletic world now for 20 years and a lot of times these these young coaches come in and and they're just you know wanting to be coordinators they're wanting to be head coaches instead of just living in the moment living in and trying to do the job that you're in right now to the best of your ability i'm glad you asked that because um i want to tell you a brief story in my career i played basketball at the university of wisconsin stevens point and i graduated or i should say my eligibility ran out in in 1984, but I still had a year to finish my degree uh, because I had transferred from another school. Long story short, the the year after my eligibility and the year that I was still finishing my degree, Tony Bennett's dad, Dick Bennett, allowed me to be the JV coach, the head JV coach, which was a big deal for me. I was a year older than um, one of the guys on the team, and and uh, before I started the job, I said I said, Coach. Um, I want to I want to coach at the highest level. You know, this is Division three. I want to I want to go and be on TV. I want to I want to be one of those guys. And he said, "Hold on, son." He said, "Let me give you some advice that has been really really profound." He said, "I advise you to do the very best job you can do where you are." and you watch how things are going to unfold for you. He could not have been more prophetic. He could not have said anything else that would have been more prophetic as I look back on my 36 years. I've tried to the best of my ability to always do the best I could, whether I was the JV coach at UW-Stevens Point um, as a 24-year-old, or whether I was a graduate assistant at Colorado State, or whatever the case may be. And I, I mentioned that to all these, all these former players and managers and graduate assistants who come through and they say, coach, you know, I want to be where you are. I said, hold on, just take the advice that I got. Do a damn good job where you are. And sometimes you have to reach out for the next job, but most of the time you get noticed by people who admire what you're doing and they say, you know what, I want that guy on my, on my team. And I would, I really think that that's, that's great advice that Dick Bennett gave me. And that's how I would answer your question. And, and coach, I think that's so good because so many times we get into, uh, to looking at things and thinking, look, we can, we'll, we'll do it when we get to this job or this point in our career. But um, that is just so, such good advice about making it your own and, and make that job that you have the job you want. And that's, a, that's really good right there, really good. Coach, you know, one other thing if I could, one other thing if I could add to that, um, again, something that Dick Bennett said, I heard him speak at a coach's clinic when I was, when I was at Stevens Point with him, and he had, he had already developed a national contender at Stevens Point, but he made the comment to the audience, he said, quality basketball does not know a specific level. In other words, 
the quality basketball and quality principles and the way you run your shop isn't, isn't confined to the high majors, to the Division I programs. It, had, it has as much uh, impact at a small private school like my dad coached in high school and ran a quality program to the local high school, to a small college, to a junior college. You can run a quality program that impacts young men and women no matter where you are. And I, I do think that's very important. It's just do a great job where you are. Yes, sir. Coach, one thing, um, you know, that intrigues me that probably the most exciting thing about listening to you today is talk to us a little bit about the University of Virginia basketball culture and what makes you guys so different and so uncommon than everybody else that's out there. Um, first of all, thanks for the question and the, and the great compliment. Um, I get asked this quite often, and because I've, because I've only, for the most part, only been in what I call the Bennett culture, because I played for Dick Bennett, I was his assistant for six years at Wisconsin, I've been Tony's assistant now for six full seasons, and I, I tried to run my own programs as a head coach under that same umbrella, I don't know what other people do, really. So how is it different? I don't know. But what I can tell you is what it is. And the, the things that I think have separated the Bennett's, in my opinion, and for those who have subscribed to it, is number one, a very genuine approach. I, if I had to describe Tony and Dick from my times playing and working for them, I would say they're genuine men. There's, there's, as it says in the scripture, there's no duplicity in them. There's, you don't hear one thing from them in front of a press conference and then another thing as you're riding home with them from work. You don't hear one thing during a staff meeting and then another thing when you're having coffee with them. They, they're, they're genuine, honest for the most part. I'm not saying they're perfect. They're genuine men who when they say something, whether it be in front of a, a recruit and his family or the team or a one-on-one -on -one meeting, they're, they're shooting you straight. And I think that alone, that first foundational thing is, is what separates them. And now that Dick is retired, what separates Tony from the pack. I think he's a genuine, good, honest man. And then from there, um, he's established some principles of, for our program uh, that I think uh, many people have read about and, uh, you know, have tried to emulate. And I think they're tremendous. And, and I can go through those if you want me to. But the point is, those principles are the foundation of what we do. Every recruit who makes a visit to UVA and sits in his office with his mom and dad are going to hear those five principles as one of the first few things that comes out of Coach Bennett's mouth. And if they choose to come to Virginia, they will hear those things and be reminded of those things and have them kind of pounded into their head until they leave our program. And, and those five principles are what I think has, has, and not just the principles, you can write anything on a shirt and a wall and all that stuff, but the, the reinforcement of those principles on a, weekly, if not daily basis, is what I think in the end has made our program, if not good, certainly different. 
Yeah, and I, you know, as you talk about principles, I would love for you to share those with our listeners um, if, for a second. You know, you don't have to get in depth with them, but um, it's when you say the word principles, it, you know, as you were saying that, it made me think of, um, I've heard many people talk about within their programs that, you know, uh, principles over politics, principles over team mottos, principles over rules, because if you, if you can live by, you know, your very specific, those principles, and like you reiterated and, and hone in on those and get kids into your program that truly believe in that, then it kind of, uh, it drives everything else that happens within the program. Exactly. And specific to the principles, they are not basketball specific. I think that's what, well, that's what a principle is. It's all encompassing. So if you have a principle for your life, it doesn't just mean that that principle is in play when you're in the office or just when you're around the kitchen table or whatever. It's a principle is all encompassing. And so real briefly, the five principles that we have at UVA are the same ones that um, I was around when I was at the University of Wisconsin with, with Dick Bennett back in 1995 through 2001. And they are this. Number one is humility. Humility. We talk to our players about knowing who they are. And it doesn't mean that they are to think poorly of themselves like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a real knucklehead or anything. But simply not to think about themselves very much. Just, just don't think about yourself. That, that is what we consider to be true humility and the ability to know who you are. Number two is passion. We talk about it this way. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be lukewarm. If, if you are lukewarm about being a member of the Virginia basketball program, it doesn't make you a bad person. Just get out. Just, just we don't want you to be a part of it. Doesn't mean you're, it's just not what you want to be a part of. No problem. No problem, just, but please don't fake us out. You know, be, be genuine and, uh, and be passionate. Number three is unity. And what we say there is <clears throat> our, our unity principle is don't divide our house. So many things can happen that can divide a team. And those of you that have been coaches, you understand whether it's, you know, two guys at the end of the bench who kind of come together and complain to each other about their lack of playing time. Well, that can just be a, such a cancer to your program that the, the unity uh, principle has to be constantly taught and constantly sold. And it's very difficult, particularly in today's society, because kids are told it's about you. Get what you can. You got you to gotta fight for yourself. And so it's almost countercultural for a coach to say unity is one of our big things. But I give Tony credit. I think I've said this many times, as much as we work on passing and catching and defending and closing out, we work on teaching them unity and teaching them passion and teaching them um, to be uh, humble all the time. The fourth one <clears throat> is, excuse me, the fourth one is servanthood. We talk about taking care of our brother. If, if you are not willing to serve, if you are, if you are not willing to uh, give to the well-being of the whole, um, then you're holding us back. And so uh, I remember, this is a, a weird little story, but it's a great anecdote uh, to what that means. I remember uh, one of my first travel uh, team travel trips with the Badgers back when I was with Dick, 
we we had a charter flight from what let's just say to West Lafayette for Purdue game, and as we were getting off of our plane, um, the players went from the plane down the steps to the bus that was waiting for us right on the tarmac, and all of the there was probably three uh, baggage handlers that were <clears throat> moving our bags from the plane to the bus, and and Coach Bennett. He, he got up, he said, what are you guys doing here? He said, you don't, you serve. He said, those three guys out there, they don't have to carry your bags. And I was kind of like, whoa, I love it. You know, and so all of our guys, whether they were McDonald's All-Americans or 15th man on the roster, they got out of the bus, they went back to the, to the baggage carriage and they carried their bags from the plane back to the bus. It was just a great example of servanthood. And then lastly, uh, we preach thankfulness in all circumstances. So when, when we come into the locker room after a very tough loss, I can almost guarantee you Dick Bennett did and Tony Bennett does say, gentlemen, as hard as this is to swallow, we need to be thankful for this. We're going to learn from this. It's going to make us better. And that to me, that principle right there allowed us to go from the UMBC debacle being the first team in the history of the NCAA tournament to be a number one seed, lose to a 16, to win in the national championship the next year. The fact that we were able to say, oh, this, this hurts us to the core, the pain, we're going to be thankful for it. We're going to draw something out of it. So sorry to belabor, uh, but I could speak for an hour about each principle, principle and how important they are to us. I, I love <laughs> the fact that they're not just – words they're actually things you guys live by and you know being there with my son I saw that and I saw the way you you treated other people you guys treated you know like you said after after this call you're on another call with a with a kiddo trying to help him and you guys just do the right things and they're not just words you know when you think back to your St. Louis days you know I, I was at Maryville University which is a school close by uh, SLU St. Louis U and Lindenwood and now on you know you've been at different places in Virginia for the last six years the things you guys do are different, you know, on the defensive end, on the offensive end, um, and especially out in the community. How do you sell guys on, on coming to your school? Well, I think, um, I think now we're in a position where, you know, Tony has won so much here. We've won five ACC out of the last eight ACC championships. And so the attraction of winning is now – one of our selling points. It wasn't always that way. I know when, when Tony first took over here and when Dick took over at Wisconsin, uh, there was a mountain to climb. And I'll just tell you one thing that I think is attractive to young men and to their parents. I've, I've made reference to it already, but it's the genuineness of Tony. And, in, and then the rest of the staff has learned a lot from him and we try to emulate what he does. But one other thing that I think is really unique is that Tony talks to recruits and their families early on in the recruiting process about the, the ability, he, this is how he says it, I, I need to know that I can lose with you. He said, he'll say that losses are clearly a part of what is going to be in your future, whether you lose in an examination on your biology test and you, you end up with a D, are you gonna go in the tank or, or can I know you're gonna double your efforts and get back and get that class going? 
what about if we lose three in a row in conference play? Is, are you going to be the guy that starts, you know, this sucks. I'm, you know, I'm out of here. What, I can't wait till the season ends. Or can we lose with you? Do you have enough character that you can summon the energy to rally your teammates and, and make it better? You get my point. Um, so I think that, um, I think that coach has done a great job of uh, instilling that in our program and, uh, it's it's part of the reason that a lot of guys are attracted to us. I think they they see the quality of the of the people around the program, and we're all on the same page. We don't, you know, you don't see assistants that have a different vantage point than the head coach. We we have us we have the same voice. Gosh, when you talk about uh, Tony and Dick, Coach Bennett, um, both of them are are two of my biggest heroes in life because of how they operate on the court, but also how, more importantly, how they are off, especially in tough moments. What would you say are the, the top three things you've learned from both those guys? You've been so fortunate to work along both, alongside both of them. Uh, that, I've learned so much from both of them, and I've been uh, – they're like – my father passed away in November of 19, and I would say Dick is the, you know, the second most influential male figure in my life. Um, I grew up in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, while he was, you know, I watched him be the head coach of the university in my hometown. I went to his basketball camps when I was a kid. So I just feel like I've been a part of the Bennett family forever. So to, to pinpoint the top three things is difficult. But let me say this. Um, I would say, first of all, both are men of God. They're not perfect. And they, they make mistakes. And because they've been in the public arena, they've made mistakes in public, you know, like cursing when they shouldn't have or whatever, berating a ref, but that's part of coaching. But I can tell you because I've been side by side with both of them, they are men of God and they, they rely on, their, <clears throat> on their, their creator to provide for them. And, and I think that's the thing that separates them from many. Secondly, their work ethic and attention to the little things that just often go un, uh, uncharted by some coaches, including myself when I was a head coach, whether I was at Loris College or St. Louis University or Lindenwood, I wish I could go back now knowing what I know from Dick and Tony about how they prepare for every detail of practice, how every detail of a shooting workout, um, whether it be 20 minutes long or a half hour or hour, Every detail is planned. Their, their preparation is unbelievable. And then lastly, I think the thing I've learned is that they know their personnel, the weaknesses and the strengths of their personnel better than most other coaches that I'm aware of. And I, I remember particularly with Dick, he, he would design his offense in a way that, that didn't put players in positions where they couldn't be successful. He would, he would find ways to, you know, get the ball in the post to a guy right where he needed it. And that sounds like such a vague answer, but, but they went out of their way to make those things happen. And I think that's why here at Virginia, though Tony is acknowledged as a great defensive coach, I think he's a tremendous offensive coach and doesn't get enough credit for it. And the reason he's so good at it is he designs his offense in such a way that it accentuates the strengths of, of our personnel. 
Yeah, that's that's great information. Um, you know, that kind of leads me into uh, my next question, and you, you've kind of answered it. And I think in your situation, um, obviously, you know, you mentioned uh, your father passing away uh, a few years ago, and and that you know he's probably the the second father to you, but. Um, you know, in a generic sense, you know, how, how do you, what would you say to, to assistant coaches that are out there on uh, how, do, how do you lead when you're not in charge? You know, how do you go out and, and support that person that is in charge, um, whether it's a head coach, through those good times and those bad times? Uh, you know, Coach Dyer and I have both been uh, head coaches. Um, mine was in football. His is obviously in basketball. Um, you know, and now we have uh, people that are serving the roles that we used to serve. Um, and so, you know, we have to be good leaders and, you know, and we have to support them uh, in these different roles. So what advice would you give us and, and also the readers? I would say that if it's possible for, for you to fully vet the head coach that you're going to work for before you accept the job, that's a huge thing. Um, I, am, I am completely in line with the principles that Tony teaches and, and the philosophy that he embraces and the values that he subscribes to. And I knew that before I came here, obviously. I, I mean, I, I knew what I was getting into. Um, I've been in other situations in my career where that wasn't the case, and it didn't go as well. Uh, I've been fortunate to work for great guys, including Dick and Tony, but Lorenzo Romar, who is now the head coach at Pepperdine University, he was the head coach at St. Louis when I first came down there. What a man, what a, what a great person. And I, I vetted that as best I could. The reason I say that is I think sometimes um, assistant coaches just, oh man, I can go work at that school on, they're going to give me, that's awesome. And they take it. But then if, if you're not congruent philosophically with the guy you're about to work for, there'll be some natural collisions and that's tough. And if those collisions happen, I would then advise the assistant, you don't dare be disloyal to your coach, whether in public or, or with the players away from the head coach. That is just, that is no matter how uh, immoral or unethical the head coach is, you have to have the guts in that situation to ask the head coach for a meeting, close the door and say, sir, I'm not on, I'm not on board with what you're doing right here, or I'm not on board with what you're doing right here. But the last thing you can do is, you know, venture laundry to the team away from the head coach. That's just gutless in my opinion. So I don't know if I've answered your question. And I know that that can be a very difficult situation for an assistant coach my solution is if you got a problem with the boss before you say anything bad to anybody including your spouse you go to that guy and have the guts as a man to say i i can't do this this is not right uh it's hard but i think that's part of the genuineness that is very productive yeah that's great advice i um i agree with you wholeheartedly on that i think you know that's uh when you're in a leadership position, you gotta you gotta surround yourself with people that you know whether it's X's and O's or whether it's values, um, you know that that believe in what you believe in, and and even when all those in, things encompassed together are the same value system, there are 
you know, still bumps in the road and you're still going to, um, you know, have those issues. But I agree with you 100% that it's never in front of the players. Um, it's never um, amongst the other staff members um, and it's behind closed doors. And when you walk out of those doors, it's a unified front. Absolutely. That, that, that is, if that isn't a part of uh, the program that a guy's around, it's going to fail. It's as simple as that. Coach, our, our last question and one I've been kind of saving, you hit it for a second. Um, talk to us a little bit about the ups and downs. I think it may be the greatest story in sports. You know, you lose to a 16 seed. The very next year, you come back and win the national championship at the highest level at the University of Virginia basketball. How did you guys stay faithful? That is so different, so uncommon. And I just never saw you guys. I'm sure there were some dark moments, but you never wavered at who you were as a program. Um, I could talk about this for a long time because there was so much that went into it. Just a couple quick things. Uh, right after we lost to UMBC, we were in the Charlotte Arena, and uh, Coach addressed the players who were devastated, crying, uh, head down. Then he came into our coaches area and he sat down and I remember that we were all just, we couldn't speak. Then there was a knock on the door and it was our sports information director that said, coach, it's time for you to go to the press conference. And I'll, I remember, I hope this isn't too personal for coach, but he, he, he basically audibly prayed, Lord, I don't know what to say, help me. And he went out on he went out in front of the media and he he just did a phenomenal job. And I believe there was some divine intervention in what he was inspired to say. Uh, he credited UMBC for a phenomenal game. They they beat the crap out of us. They beat us 20. And but he didn't make any excuses. Um, and he just carried himself with class in in the midst of the most uh, difficult loss in the history of the NCAA. But what really struck me is once we gathered ourselves as a, as a staff and we met with the team for the first time back in Charlottesville in our arena, in our locker room, he, he said to the guys, he, I'll never forget it. He said, fellas, I, now that I've had a chance to sort my thoughts, I think the most important thing that we all of us have to do is own this loss own it, own it. So when, when you are bombarded on social media because you choked or you suck, or this is the worst embarrassment to the University of Virginia in the hit, he said, own it. Just say, you know what? It's hard to argue. We had a bad day. Um, a, a, a very, very capable team just came in and just whooped us. He said, own it. Don't don't say it was the ref's fault. Don't say it was blah, 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 blah. Own it. And from there, we just, we just recommitted ourselves to what, we, what became our catchphrase for the next year, which was United Pursuit. We were going we to, as a group, figuratively you know, wrap our arms around each other's shoulders, and in a united way, we were going to pursue um, the, the upcoming season. And I just give so much credit to the players, the Kyle guys and DeAndre Hunters and Ty Jerome, Jack Saltz, Mamani Diakites, who, who embrace the work 
that they they went through that next off season in light of how much crap they were having to deal with from just everybody and understandably uh, when when you enter into the arena of college athletics you're not you're not going to be sheltered from from bombs from social bombs and they had to deal with that and still get back in the weight room still get back in the gym still do their individual work um, and and then we had to have a lot of things go right in the next tournament. I mean, we won three games in a row that were like miracles. <laughs> but the fact is they, they stayed the course and uh, we're very proud of that group of men. I think, too, you just never know why God has things happen. That, that's a story I refer back true? to with my, my son and, and anybody who, who's went through a hard time or been an underdog, look at what you guys did and, I've just never been more impressed with a program who takes time with, with kids who are struggling. You know, we're, we're doing this podcast. So we want to help a lot of people, but um, the money that we raise goes directly to the University of Virginia Hospital and helps kiddos with uh, directly get hearing impairments. And your entire city is just amazing in the way they, they wrap their arms around people and help. So we can't thank you enough. Well, I'm just a small part of it, but thank you for those comments. Coach Dorsey, you got anything to wrap it up? Yeah, Coach, I just want to tell you I've been absolutely blessed to uh, listen to you today, and you guys continue to do the, the great works that you're doing. Uh, I know that I just personally have, have had tremendous growth today listening and, um, and you sharing, you know, your heart, your love, um, your faith with us, and I know that our listeners will do as well. So, um, it's been an awesome morning with you. I, I greatly appreciate it and, uh, you know, and wish you guys all continued luck in the future. I appreciate that. And if I can ever uh, be of assistance to your organization in the future, please don't hesitate to call. Yes, Thank sir. So many great lessons there as we listen to a conversation with Coach and their championship culture at the University of Virginia basketball. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. And don't forget to donate tinyurl.com slash worth it podcast. That's tinyurl.com slash worth it podcast. You can make the difference right now today.